Gold's back. Now crypto's boring. The peak of the lithium price spike. We'll get into that a little bit. We're going to get into some uh, practical common sense um, looking back at our strategy for the markets between Mr. Hodge and I. Um, I am Gerardo Del Real along with Mr. Nick Hodge. This is episode 172 of our weekly therapy session, otherwise known as Bizarro World. How are you, Nick? The weeks are flying by, Gerardo. I know last week was a a tough one. I hope that issue resonated with some folks. The hot summer that we uh, predicted, unfortunately, continues to unfold. Um, Lots of things to talk about in the market, which we didn't get to last week. And it's my daughter's sixth birthday. So happy birthday to Miss Story Rose. You'll recall that um, one of the, the first times we met, certainly the first times our family get, got together was when she was born in, in Austin, Texas, six years ago. So um, those years have flown by and I'd be remiss if I didn't say, um, you know, some projects that we're involved in, we're just entering the permitting process back in, in 2016 and they're still in the permitting process. So a good uh, frame of reference uh, as far as how long things take in the, in the junior mining world, right? Congratulations to Miss Story Rose. Um, I can't believe it's been six years. Um, you know, for those of you that don't know the backstory, Mr. Hodge, himself, his wife, and my wife were um, at a at a place called Esther's Follies, which is Austin's version of Saturday Night Live, kind of right. There's one part sketch and acting and music and some magic thrown in. Just it's an amazing staple of Austin's late night comedy scene. And um, you know, about halfway through. Uh, we noticed that uh, Mrs. Hodge was a bit uncomfortable there. And uh, next thing you know, um, headed to the hospital and having a baby. So um, Story is the more apt name for a kid that I have ever seen, I think. Yeah, she was cleared to travel. And uh, that was a premature birth. We didn't expect her to come, but she was uh, healthy then. And she's even healthier now. And um, I guess credit to Esther's Follies for being so funny that they induced labor. Well, listen, let's get right into it. There's there's a lot going on. Everything from Goldman Sachs calling um, for the peak in, in, in the lithium price. And, and maybe we'll get into that. But what I definitely want to get into is, is, is the markets. Last week, of course, um, was tough. You know, it's, it's back to the regularly scheduled program in America. We've had 20 mass shootings since Evaldi. That's 20 mass shootings since Evaldi. And so... You know, there it's it's. Um, I, I was looking on Twitter here, and there was a newscaster that said, um, you know, a few days ago there was one in Tulsa, and there was one in Pittsburgh simultaneously, and then they had one in in, in their local town, and they said they didn't know which one to break away from, and and this is just kind of how it is, and so you know, I want to applaud the um, the politicians on both sides that are sitting down and at least finally having a conversation about what they can agree on. At least it's a start. I hate that it's taken this long, but. You know, there is there does appear to be at least some bipartisan support to at least have a conversation about owning guns smarter. Nobody's going to take them away. This is America, folks. But at least they're having the conversation. I say all that to say I want to talk markets um, and I want to start with gold. And then I want to talk about, you know, some just some thoughts and some questions for you, Nick. You've been at this now for how long? This speculating in, in, in the markets. How long have you dabbled now? I don't want to date I mean, you. So <laughs> so I've been writing checks in the private basements for seven years. I've been cover, covering speculative markets for a dozen years. Um, 
and so that's over a decade. Uh, I wouldn't say I've seen multiple cycles, but you know, I've started to see some things. Uh, maybe think I'm getting better at identifying what works. Don't always get them right. Um, but I've been talking to other folks about how they can get into that sort of side of the game, um, wondering how uh, I did it and um, wanted to spend some time on that because you know, um, you know, having a 401k or an IRA is is great. And, you know, getting the macro direction of things right is great, uh, but it's not going to make you uh, rich. And it's uh, at least in the shorter time frame. Um, so you have to add that speculative part into it. And I guess what I've noticed is that this these questions have come my way as, as, as crypto markets have sort of, like you said, become boring. So hmm. what I sort of sense is these these soldiers are, are furthering their training hmm. is, 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 is what I'm gearing up. Because some of these people that have hit me up are wondering um, uh, how they can leverage the, the speculative portion of their portfolio. Um, seems like they might have been in Bitcoin or other cryptocurrencies and are now looking to other parts of the speculative market, hint, hints, but precious metals. Um, that could generate those sort of returns for their portfolio. Who would have thunk that that would have happened? <laughs> Imagine that. Listen, let's get right into it. Um, we'll talk gold in a second. We'll talk lithium in a second. Um, financial freedom, whether or not you place that um, at the top of your things that are important to your self list, it's 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 that right. It really is freedom, freedom to focus more on your health, freedom to be able to travel, freedom to 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 do whatever it is that you're really passionate about. And that can be making money, but it can also be gardening. It can be whatever it is. And so let's have a conversation about that. Nick. If 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 you had to start all over, you've been at this now for 12, 13 years. What would be your first step back to financial freedom? There's a couple of things I thought about when, when I got this question. Um, I think the first thing is is getting a mentor sooner, you know, finding someone who knows what they're talking about in the space that has done it before. And, and maybe I'm that person to, to other people at this point, I'm not sure. Um, but really finding someone who can help navigate the, the speculative uh, portion of the markets, whatever uh, market that is for you. If that's crypto, great. If that's precious metals, great. If it's biotech, I can't help you, but that's great too. Um, and the other thing I would say is is making more concentrated bets. Um, mm. I, I've had some good returns. Uh, obviously, I've had some big winners over the year. I've, years I've written articles about Amino Precise. Um, you know, being in that stock from twenty five cents to over twenty five dollars. But I would have done even better if I had a more concentrated bet. Um, on that company, right? And obviously, if you don't uh, have a lot of wealth or you're just starting out, it, it can be scary. But I would say, you know, diversification is awesome for the broad market stuff, right? Different sectors of the S&P, um, allocating uh, across those sectors um, in different risk levels. Um, but when it comes to your speculations, you know, when you, and you said it actually pretty pretty well recently, is that when you're right, we were doing a video, you and I recently for, for JRM Lifetime uh, members, and you said, you know, when you're right, you want to be rewarded for, for being right. And that means having enough shares, having enough capital allocated to those speculations you think are going to do well, um, so that it really moves the needle for you, right? Um, and I guess, you know, instead of having $5,000 in, in 10 companies, you could have $25,000 in two companies that might require some 
uh, more due diligence. And, and that sort of speaks to the first part of the answer I gave is finding someone in the speculative space who knows what they're talking about. Because, um, you know, if you have smaller wins, that's great, but that's not necessarily what the speculative side of things are for. And um, maybe, unfortunately, you know, if people had the concentrated bets in crypto, they they got wiped out harder <laughs> recently. So um, I don't want to say take that advice with a grain of salt, but when you have conviction about something uh, on the speculative side of things, make sure you own enough that it really moves the needle for you. Otherwise, you're going to be wishing you bought more. And, and I've had that experience recently with uh, a company you told me to invest in Patriot Battery Metals. You know, when a company goes from 40 cents to four bucks, of course you wish you owned more. But I had the opportunity to do that with private placements even prior to the level at which I got in. So um, I, those were my two key pieces of advice. And then um, the third, I, I think I would say is it doesn't happen overnight. You know, it, right. even if you get that 25 cent to $25 um, run, you know, that was over the course of, of, of three, four, five years, right? And if you take a step back and put five years into the context of an 80 or 90 year life, you know, that's not that long to transform your financial position, right? Do we want it to happen in you know, two months, three months, sure. a year? I, I, obviously, everyone does. But, you know, I started with very little and, and, and now I'm fairly comfortable. And it's been a 10 or 12 year process. If you can um, do that. That's pretty good. If you can use someone who knows what they're talking about to reduce that to, to five to seven years, I mean, that's get rich quick to me. Five to seven years is is, is a quick time frame in the scheme of a, of a life. Well said. I would add to that. It's important to have someone that you can talk with about either buying and selling, right? And 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 you know, I I when I tend to win. I tend to make bigger bets. Um, I do like making concentrated bets. I do like, you know, I, 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 we say all the time that we eat our own cooking. I'm, I'm a big fan of eating my own cooking and that cuts both ways. And so it's good for me to have people like yourself, people like a Jeff, people, you know, other people whose advice I respect to kind of give the other side of things because I'll use Patriot Battery Metals as an example, right? Um, I, I, I got in initially at 16 cents and have ridden it you know, all the way to, I think it's at 4.15 today it closed. Um, I've, I've, I've sold tiny amounts just to cover things like IRS bills and, you know, other, other, other emergency expenses that came up here recently. But outside of that, I, the bulk of my position is locked up for a year voluntarily, right? And, and, and we did that in the subsequent financing. But it does help me to have someone in a mentor or a friend that can kind of play devil's advocate and say, well, what if this goes wrong? What if the metallurgy goes wrong? What if this, what if that, you know? And, and, and my counter to that would be, well, sure, it can go back to 75 cents. It would take a lot for that to happen. But again, I think this stock is 10 bucks by the end of the summer if the drill bit keeps delivering. And so at this point in the game, me selling at $4 or me selling at $10, it's, it's you're we're playing with house money, right? It's just how much of that win are you willing to, 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 to bet. And for me, it's consequential enough to where it's, you know, it's a good chunk of my net worth now if, if it continues in that trajectory. And so would it hurt me if it pulls back 50%? No, not really. You know, it would still be a spectacular win. Um, it doubling from this point, that would be consequential to the upside for me, right? And so again, that risk tolerance is something that I, I, I encourage everybody to 
to really define. And, and you mentioned, you know, if five to seven years is, is, is getting rich, um, that is pretty damn quick, right? I come from a family where they've worked hard for generations Absolutely. on end. And if you would have told them five to seven years, they would have said, what do we have to do? They'd have done it, right? It could have been digging ditches or, you know, flying planes, whatever it is, they, they, they would be there, right? Um, it's a hardworking family. It's, it's, it's a family that, that, that is very close knit. And so five to seven years is one phenomenal. If, if you can find people that can guide that people that can help you sell when it's time to sell people also that can tell you the upside potential and, 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 and the why. And, you know, when I say, and again, I'm going to, I'm going to be very specific with Patriot just because it, it is my largest position right now. When I say, what's the upside, I think it can go to $10 by the end of the summer you should be asking me how I quantify that, right? It's not just because it's a pretty chart and it's going one direction. It's because the company has a market cap right around $350, $400 million. And I think they're onto about 150 million tons at 1% lithium just within a two kilometer trend. So if I'm right about that 150 million tons, um, you know, I look at Frontier Lithium and Frontier Lithium has a market cap twice Patriot's market cap. And I think combined resource uh, within the, 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 the multiple deposits there, I think it's somewhere in the order of 35 million tons at, you know, grades at about one and a half percent lithium. And so if we're comparing apples to apples, Frontier Lithium is in Canada. It's, it's, it's in Quebec. It's, it's nearby. It's a similar type deposit. Um, the peer comp support a $10 share price if I'm right about that 150 million tons and and if I'm right about 150 million tons, I could justify a $20 share price. And I know for a lot of people that are in at 16 cents, it's crazy talk. You know, we were fortunate enough to have subscribers and friends, you know, get into that 16 cent financing when the company didn't know if it was going to stay afloat. And and that that was the riskiest time to, to help finance it. Um, because we didn't know if the company was going to continue. It, it, it did a, a three for one consolidation. Um, it was fighting to keep uh, the Corvette property uh, within its portfolio. It had a big payment coming up. And so, you know, kudos to Blair Way and the team at, at, at Patriot because they did a phenomenal job with consolidating the land package, keeping the company alive, having really good long-term supportive shareholders that were willing to lock up their stock for a year because they had no interest in selling. That's proved to be very prudent. Um, but that's how you ask someone like myself or like a Nick Hodge that's giving advice on these stocks. That's how you ask them to quantify or ask us to quantify evaluation. It's not based on just the fact that it goes up almost every single day. But the reason it's doing that is because it's playing catch up to its peers. And so one of two things has to happen for that to pull back. I have to be very wrong about potentially what's there. And the math is pretty easy on, on, on the pegmatite body. It's just a blob of rock, right? It's width, it's depth, it's you know, grade and do the math and you can kind of, you know, get, get to a hundred billion tons pretty quickly. Um, but, but again, if, if I'm, if, if I'm wrong, if it's half that, well, it's still, it, you know, if I use the frontier example, I could still justify a $10 share price today. If all they'd come up with is 50 or 60 million tons. And I think we're way ahead of that. So quantify why you're holding something. And if you can't quantify why you think it can go up or what that catalyst is going to be, it's just a hope. Right. And hope is not a strategy. I hope it hits $10. I hope it hits 20, but I actually see a path for that. 
And and I kind of know the things that have to go right in order for that to happen. And obviously, I know that you know there there can be hiccups along the way that can take that valuation backwards. So we'll see. Well, we'll we'll talk in a year. We'll revisit and um, just much much like we did earlier in the year when we had a video for paying subscribers about our our two biggest personal holdings, and and, and luckily those have worked out pretty well. But just know when to sell and know that you can sell a little bit. Um, know that you can tap all of it if it's consequential to your life. Five thousand dollars used to mean a hell of a lot to me way back in the days when I was trying to figure out, you know, how to how, how to borrow money off my credit cards to go buy junior resource stocks. As my mentor likes to say, that's a real story, folks. I used to do that and then, you know, dabble in options on margin. I didn't have that much money and I wanted it to count. And so I wanted if I if I wanted it to be right, I had to make big bets and I had to use as much leverage as possible. Please don't ever do that. I don't encourage anyone to do that. Uh, my risk tolerance is a little bit higher than most people. But yeah, no one to hold them, no one to fold them. That's, I think, as important as uh, anything else out there. Yeah, the selling advice is important and something I probably should have mentioned. Selling a little bit is okay. If you look at my uh, speculative portfolio over the years and the advice I've given people, we sell the pieces 10% here, sure. uh, 10% there. And if you can get a negative cost basis on, on some of those equities, like you say, you're playing with house money. If I could scroll down the list of um, the 20 or 30 companies that I invested in that I still hold via private placement, I probably only have a positive cost basis in four or five of them, right? Mm -hmm. The rest, they paid me to own the shares. And so and that's a good place to be in as well. So so question number two that I, I would have, Nick, just with stocks, right? With the major indices, you know, we had a bounce today, but with stocks looking bearish, would you would you invest into your favorite tech stock or, or DCA to the S&P to play the long game. I mean, what, what what's kind of like your approach given the volatility in the markets right now? What are you doing? What do you like? Yeah, no, don't buy your favorite <laughs> tech stock. Um, dollar cost averaging, not now in the, in the broader market. So this is a good question and, and one I'm maybe even a bit more comfortable with right now because I think I see the, the macro markets a bit clearer. I think the NASDAQ can go down a lot further. You had uh, Microsoft that warning today, surprise, surprise, that uh, Q2 earnings, their Q4 fiscal year, um, aren't going to be good. They blame, you know, currency uh, valuations and stuff like that. But the fact of the matter is, like I've been telling you for a couple of months, uh, growth is contracting both at the GDP level and um, at the corporate earnings level. And, and today you've got one of the biggest tech companies in the world coming out to, and telling you as much. Um, they're not going to be the last one, folks. Q2 earnings um, aren't going to be good for reasons that I've pounded the table on for weeks now. Um and they're being compared against 2021, which was fantastic numbers. And so um, even the Atlanta Fed now is is coming hmm. down on their on their you know now casts for uh, GDP, and and you're very much facing uh, a recession. So um, you know the answer to that question, and I'll take it back to financial advisors, is um, you don't have to stay in the market. You don't have to keep buying stocks. Like uh, one of the best places to have been in is is at least in the macro markets is cash for the past. Uh, five or six months now. And so um, I think timing the, the turns and the cycles of the market is important. And there's there's no point in dollar cost averaging all the way down, right? You don't know how low uh, these stocks are going to go. Um, hmm. NASDAQ it, it specifically is only back to around um, average PE valuations, right? They could still uh, fall much further to get back to the period they were around 2010. And as far as the S&P, it is also, you know, in bear market territory. A lot of those sectors uh, look very bad, including financials and 
uh, healthcare and others. So um, you need to be in the markets when they're they're going up and you need to wait for, for cycles to turn to do that. So um, for now, I think, you know, avoiding the, the market for a large part is, is the smartest thing you can do. And then identifying the, the sectors that are going up, if you were to take a look at like foundational profits, for example, where uh, it's more of a macro long term uh, cycle sector letter, we're not in uh, a lot of the, the S&P sectors. If there's 11 S&P sectors, we're only in maybe three of them, you know, like a REIT, a utility. Um, and some materials uh, stocks is not a lot that that is is going up right and so um, you just need to avoid and it sounds easy right the, the sectors that are going down and, and and try to own equities funds in the S and P sectors that are going up and for now um, until you get this uh, GDP and recession uh, the GDP slowing and recession out of the way um, I think you should be waiting and seeing as it relates to the the macro equities. Yeah, and I'm going to talk my own book now, which is the resource space, right? The only time I really dabble outside of the resource space is, is when Nick sends something my way that he finds appealing, because he's got a pretty damn good track record of making those work out. And so, um, look, I think why buy a tech company when I can buy the company that's going to mine or produce or discover the stuff that those tech companies need to make their product? The bottom line is if, if a Microsoft or a Tesla um, is going to continue higher, um, and is going to become, you know, all of a sudden a, a good stock to own again, they're going to need a lot of materials for that to happen. And so for me, being a simple guy, as I always say, right, it seems like common sense to go invest in the companies that have the stuff that these companies are going to need to be successful, because in that, they're not going to win anyway, right? Either either Tesla's going to increase production and improve margins, or 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 it's a failing stock. And if, if, and if it's going to increase production, and if it's going to increase margins, it's going to need a lot of copper. It's going to need a lot of lithium. It's going to need a lot of rare earths. And so to me, why buy, I just say bypass, you know, the risk of owning something in, 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 in the tech space that's, you know, bigger and more liquid and go straight to some of these great juniors that already have robust assets. You don't have to take, you know, the Patriot route, which was very speculative early on. Um, you know, you can find established companies that are already have, you know, production profiles and cash flow and earnings and, you know, a track record of, 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 of hitting their dividends. And so those are out there, folks. To me, that seems like a common sense way, you know, to, to, to hedge against the slowdown in the major indices. I'll give you a real life story. And it's exactly what you said, but just uh, via dialogue. So um, we have a cleaning lady and her name is Jackie and she's awesome. We talk with her about all sorts of stuff. You know, she knows details of our life. We know details of her life, her family, yep. things like that. And a couple of months ago, um, I happened to be there when, when she came and she knows what I do. And she was asking me about Rivian and she was saying, that's an electric car company. Um, and she was asking, and it was doing well at the time, you know, the NASDAQ wasn't down 25% yet from its uh, highs last November and electric car companies were still, you know, being talked about. And she was saying, I got this buddy who's been putting money into Rivian. It's been doing pretty good. You know, do you think I should invest in Rivian? And I told her, you know, if it were me, um, cause I don't give personal advice. If it were me, I wouldn't be buying Rivian shares, right? I would be buying something that all the Rivians of the world need. Like, uh, and that's just how I think about markets. Like, 
Um, I wouldn't be picking a Rivian or a Tesla or an individual electric car company. I would be trying to find a, sort of what you said, a natural resource company, specifically a lithium company. Yeah. Um, that all those that all those electric car companies are going to need, and not that you know when someone asks me my thoughts on the market, I nail it one hundred percent of the time. But that was the exact uh, mm -hmm. uh, correct advice at the time. If you look at a chart since she's asked me about Rivian. Um, it has, in fact, gone down, and I hope her buddy didn't lose too much money. Um, and lithium shares have, have held up quite nicely. I mean, you and I have been talking about small lithium companies you know, for the past several episodes, and, and other ones are holding up well as well. You know, the Alchems of the world, and and I was going to say we're Cobra, but that is Alchem. You know, they're doing they're doing okay. They're holding in there. So, um, you know, that was the right call, and that was what you just said, but in a real-world example. And I think that's how a lot of people who aren't, investing day-to-day -day in the market sort of get caught up in that what i call yeah. the noise right because it was probably cnbc or whoever that was having rivian on the 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 screen every day and they're not talking about whatever lithium americas or cyprus or whatever your, your flavor of, of of lithium is and 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 i think that um you know i'll slap my own wrist for a second is we get we get not jaded, but we don't think like the, I, I think a common uh, retail investor anymore. And I need to do better at thinking about that yeah. and educating. Like I should have been writing that article, you know, why you should be avoiding Rivian and buying lithium miners instead. Like, um, and so, you know, I need to try to do better at that. But that's a perfect contrarian example of how to think about the market, right? Like, no, I'm not buying an electric vehicle company. I'm buying the shit that they all got to buy. I'm Levi Strauss, motherfucker. I love it. I love it. And, and, and with that, I look, and speaking of being a contrarian, I have to ask um, the crypto space. Was that the bubble popping? Um, are we are we are we due for a rebound? Is is and again, I'm not the crypto expert, right? You know more than I do. And and, and we have a gentleman um, that works with us who who is an expert in this. But, you know, where do you think we are with that? Is there an opportunity there? Has it changed? Has, obviously, Luna is not an opportunity anymore. Luna went to, 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 to money heaven, right? But um. Or, or twice. They, twice they rebooted it they rebooted it and it crashed again oh god you can't make this stuff up right um so obviously you know i'll preface the question by saying if you're dabbling in the crypto space just know that you're gambling right that's the bottom line i don't care what it is that's that's kind of the way that i see it but there is an educated way to gamble and so is there still opportunity in that space or do you think it's a wrap for crypto nick yeah, so um, I was writing a lot about uh, altcoins and stablecoins, even you know back five years ago, and was saying that if they're not backed by anything, then they're not backed by anything. They're they're the antithesis of stablecoins, right? And um, yes, I think you just saw the bubble uh, popping, right? Is, but I think the air is still coming out of it. So I think there's a lot of other projects that are going to go to quote unquote money heaven. I don't want to put a percentage on it. You know, who knows how many projects are going to go to zero. You know, I've always maintained that for my personal portfolio, you know, it's Bitcoin and, and, and Ether for me. And increasingly um, gravitating towards more Bitcoin, like queued up the screen the other week or the other day and was... Um, going to transfer all my ether into Bitcoin. I didn't pull the trigger, but um, that's going back to the answer to the first question, making concentrated bets, right? I'm ready to get more concentrated in um, Bitcoin. So 
Um, is it the bottom? No, it's not the bottom yet because crypto has been correlating so closely with the, mm. the stock market. And if the stock market is still in a bear market, then it's going to be tough for um, crypto to go up. You had a little excitement at the end of May when you know Bitcoin went back to thirty-one thousand. The school of thought there is that you know that's painting of the books for the for the end of the month. Um, you know, people selling their their losing positions and buying back lower that ticked the market up at the end of. Um, uh, May. So, um, you know, crypto is an, an OK place to, to allocate money to. Just be sure you know where you are uh, in the cycle. And right now it's still a bottoming process. So I've said a bunch of times that, you know, for me, it's Bitcoin is a buy below 25,000 and it dipped there recently. But, you know, it's still in that range. It's not made the turn and broken out into a bullish cycle yet. So you have time to accumulate. And uh, if you do accumulate, it would be in the highest quality projects. If you've got to navigate outside of Bitcoin, I would point you to Ether or um, Solana would be the last one. And outside of that, especially for the time being, it's a super high risk place to be. Uh, what was the last part of that question? Let me look again. Oh, what, what uh, percentage of the projects will hit zero? I'm not sure and I'm not worried about it because I don't know any shit coins. <laughs> Well said, Nick. So let's, um, I, I, I don't want to get into um, the Goldman Sachs lithium call. I know I mentioned it uh, up top, but I'm, I'm going to just stay away from it because I think it's Goldman doing what Goldman does, right? They're probably short. They want to get it taken. cheaper, right? Uh, absolutely. Absolutely. There's zero doubt about it. I don't think it's a coincidence that, you know, the lithium stocks all took a hit for a day and they're all back 10, 15, 20% today um, with a vengeance, right? But with that being said, what are some good contrarian plays out there um, that people can can you know get in at pretty attractive entry points right now in in anywhere right? I think gold looks strong. If we want to talk gold real briefly, it's you know holding up at eighteen seventy wants to get back to nineteen hundred. I think if it goes above eighteen seventy nine, eighteen eighty, there's a good chance to run to the nineteen twenty nineteen thirty range, and then it starts getting interesting once again. But what's a good contrarian uh, space right now that you're looking at to allocate capital, Nick? I know you had. Quite a healthy and robust cash position there for, for, for a bit. And I can't imagine that you parted completely with that cash position. No, no. Continuing still to, to winnow the portfolio down, um, still holding a significant portion of, of cash, something like a third on the retirement side of things. Uh, on lithium, for one <clears> second, you could almost point to uh, lithium as a contrarian play. If you've got mm -hmm. Goldman saying that it's uh, the prices are peaking, I would point to uh, another article that was out in the last week of May, uh, I believe it was out on Bloomberg, called uh, The Trouble with Lithium. And um, to boil it down, the trouble with lithium is that we can't get enough of it fast enough. And that's the trouble with lithium. Um, and they even touched on uh, recycling in that article, which you know I've been talking about lately. And they were saying um, how that can't come close to, to, to meeting the needs. And there's no current process of, of recycling lithium that's going to be viable for another 10 years. And even once it is, uh, the maximum it could contribute to, to our lithium uh, supply is, you know, some 5 to 15% to of the market. And so um, lithium, I think, is is in a bull market for, for some time to come. Uh, I just related the story to you about Rivian and the lithium miners. So uh, that's a place that, that I'm still in strong, not just Patriot Battery Metals, but um, others and have warrants in that, that I'm looking yeah. to uh, exercise. And so pullbacks in the lithium space are, are a place to buy. The uranium has ticked up over the past week. Mm -hmm. and uranium ETFs are, are back looking okay again. And some of the equities in that sector are um, cheap. And then I would say what you say, gold. So um, 
you know, I gave a talk the other day about the macro bear. We've talked about that a couple of times and how it was a golden lollipop at the uranium center. And I had someone say to me uh, via comment about that talk, um, you know, you bearish, bearish, bearish. You're talking about all these bearish things, slowing earnings, slowing growth. And then you say, go and buy gold stocks uh, or buy uranium stocks. Well, that's not quite what I said. What I said was um, gold is the gold itself. The metal, not the equities, is, is going to hold up quite well. Um, and then on the backside of, of, of any earnings contraction or, or slowing growth, you're going to see a really robust bull market for um, the equities. So uh, gold first, uh, the, the metal, right? GLD or, or coins, however you choose to play that, a yep. physical trust, whatever that might be. Um, but then sure, picking away at the equities, not looking for, you know, that you return in a month or two, but there's, there's, there's cheap equities out there. You know, if I look at a basket of, of, of junior gold stocks, it's, it seems like I won't say all of them, but it, you know when I look at the market caps, it's like 50 million, 60 million, 50 million, 60 million. It's like they all have a 50 to 60 million dollar market cap. And if you can take those and say, okay, sort of like you're saying about Patriot, what am I getting for that 50 or 60 million dollars? Right. right. Some 60 million dollar gold companies are um, not even at the resource stage yet. They just had a couple of nice drill holes and they're getting 50, 60 million dollar valuation. Some companies have 5 million ounces in the ground in safe jurisdictions and, and they're on their way to feasibility studies and have past performing AD, uh, past producing ADR claims. And you can buy that for uh, 50 or $42 million with, with 10 million in the bank. So uh, that's revival gold. That's your <laughs> freebie for this episode. You get your money's worth and then I have one for you. And so if you can parse that out and, and not be buying the companies who are, have those attractive valuations, you know, I'll name drop for a second. I was talking to, to, to Rick Rule at that conference and we were talking about private placements and he was saying, I don't see a lot that's a, attractive out there from a private placement standpoint. Rick, of course, has different liquidity needs than you or I or most <laughs> other people. Uh, but he was saying sort of the same thing that I just really do well is that, you know, when, when I when I look at these, these stocks and I see a $50 million valuation, I can't justify in many cases what I'm getting for that $50 million. And if you can find a, a gold equity, a, a junior equity that you can justify what you're getting for that low market cap, then uh, those would be places that I would be allocating capital to. I'll give you another free name, folks, because I think this one is going to be a, a, a doozy of a, of, a, of a year for this particular stock. It's a Nevada Sunrise Gold. And let me be absolutely clear, folks. I am talking my own book the way that I always do. My two largest personal holdings in terms of shares and, and, and dollar value, uh, my two largest positions are Patriot Battery Metals and Nevada Sunrise Gold. Nevada Sunrise Gold may be undergoing a name change if, if I... Um, if I am to be heard, right, I think it should be Nevada Sunrise Lithium or Nevada Sunrise Resources. And the reason I say that is I think that the company is on to, to potentially a pretty significant lithium discovery in Nevada. Um, they have a water right that's very strategic. Um, I know the company announced recently it's adding to its land package. We're waiting for more results. Now, it's very early, right? And And, and, and this is where you know, on, on something like Patriot, recognizing the pegmatites that were lithium bearing that had these great grades and, and you know, large scale, they're all over the place. That was that was something that for me anchored my willingness to bet bigger than I normally would on a speculative early stage play like Patriot was when its market cap was 10, 20 million. And I first started talking about it publicly. 
Um, fast forward to Nevada Sunrise Gold now, and its market cap is right at that $20, $21 million mark. If this, you know, it's two holes in, but if this lithium discovery ends up becoming something that's significant, with it being in Nevada, with them having water rights, um, this can get very patriot-like very, very, very quickly. Um, and and look, we talk about gold exposure. They still own 20% of a project I absolutely love, the Kinsley Mountain Project that Copar Minerals now owns 80% of and, and will be managing. And, you know, kudos to that team. They have a very, very intelligent technical team that that went out and did some great geophysics work. And I think the second half of the year is going to see some some drilling over at new targets for Kinsley. So you have gold exposure there. You have the lithium exposure and there's other lithium projects in the portfolio that Nevada Sunrise has. It also has a copper project I really like in the Coronado BMS project, um, past producing uh, copper mine. And, you know, if you know anything about BMS deposits, you know, they tend to happen in clusters. The past producing mine is there. They've never found another deposit. Um, and, I'm, I'm, you know, it's likely that there's one nearby. So you get some copper exposure, you get some lithium exposure, you get some gold exposure. Offer a $20 million market cap seems pretty damn reasonable to speculate um, aggressively on that as long as you have a high risk, high reward kind of temperament and you understand it's just that. It's a speculation on a couple of drill holes. We'll get some geophysics soon. I'm excited to see what those turn up because the geophysics were critical in outlining where to drill those first two holes, which were very successful. And so curious to see what that has in store for us. But uh, free podcast, you're getting your money's worth today. Nevada Sunrise Gold is a hack of a speculation at current levels. Yeah, um, well said. I don't have a lot to add to that. I have warrants. I'm looking forward to um, exercising. And, and at that valuation, it's, it's half of some of those gold companies I just mentioned, right? And that, that 40 to, to 60 million level up to a new uh, lithium discovery. So could certainly have legs because there's not even metrics being tied to it yet. Nick, you have a little girl that wants you home for her birthday. You have parents in town is there anything else that you want to add before i let you get on out of here no i think that was pretty good um next week i'll be doing a, a, a ama i guess the cool kids call it an ask me anything i'll be doing it with mr brian london of gold newsletter fame uh, it'll be next wednesday june 8th and we'll put a link up to to sign up for free to, to do that it'll be a zoom webinar um, and him and I are going to take questions for an hour from whoever signs up. So I'm looking forward to that and forward to seeing um, what the questions are. And that's uh, sort of a teaser, as it were, to the New Orleans Investment Conference, which uh, we attend every year and that Brian runs. So um, if you have some free time next Wednesday afternoon, by all means, sign up for that. And we'd like to see you there. Excited for that. I'll be at PDAC here in a couple of weeks. If any of you are around, please reach out, send a message, um, say hello. I would love to catch you. I'll be there on the 13th and the 14th for the bulk of the the, the, the day on the 14th. And so I uh, I share a personal story and then I'll let you get out of here, Nick. I, I, I was looking to book a hotel and everything was sold out. And somehow I managed to find a place for the 13th. Um, Fingers crossed, I make it back and they don't keep me, but it should be a fun time. I'm looking forward to seeing a lot of you. That's all I have. I am Gerardo Del Real, along with Mr. Nick Hodge. This was episode 172 of Bizarro World. Happy birthday story. Nick, say something nice to the people. See you, everybody. Have a good week. Hey there, you independent-minded investor. 
If you like this video, make sure to tell us so by clicking the like button below. Subscribe to our channel so you never miss another one. And share it with everyone you know on social media. You can also click the link in the description below to check out more information-packed videos just like this one. Thanks for watching.